pray this psalm together. Whoa. And the psalm goes like this. Psalm 25, four and five. And it says this. Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long, I put my hope in you. Amen. You can be seated. So if you're just joining us, or maybe you've been here for a couple weeks, um, we're going through a series called The Jesus Way. Uh, and so we've covered a lot of things, and, and this section of The Jesus Way is we're asking this question, how do we practice truth? Uh, that there, there is, we recognize that there is truth. Um, and so how do we practice that, though, in an age of self? And so Jesus um, is, is knowledgeable of this truth. As a matter of fact, he says that he is the way, the truth, and the life, right? There's no other way to the Father except through him. Right? He makes a very exclusive statement there. There's no other way to the Father except through him. And so we've been talking a lot about knowledge lately. And, uh, and we've said this, and I've said it a few times, I'm gonna say it again, is we have knowledge of something when we are representing it. Uh, that is thinking about it, speaking of it, treating it as it actually is on an appropriate basis of thought and experience. And knowledge involves two things. It involves truth and accuracy of representation. And so we learned that what will knowledge alone do to you? It will just puff you up, all right? And Paul talks about this, and he says, um, or we know this, that, that not only with knowledge, but we have to be in a relationship with Jesus. We have to be practicing the way of Christ. Now, do we always get that right? I don't know about you, but, but I don't always get that right, but we're practicing the way of Jesus. We're becoming more like Jesus. We're leaning into the things that Jesus is teaching. And so uh, to be like Christ um, is this. We have come to serve and not be served. And so uh, we know we see that um, in Philippians, uh, Christ, he gives up everything. He isn't he isn't reaching out for, he isn't longing for, he's not striving for that. He gives everything up in order to make us right with him, right? And so um, last week, uh, we answered the questions about worldview, right? And if you missed that, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that. We talked about what reality is. Of course, we're not talking about some sci-fi like <laughs> reality we're talking about what James talks about, where we try to live as two different people, right? We try to live as people of the world, but we try to live as people of God. Well, here's the deal is we're gonna learn more about today is it's all about really taking that full step into living as people of the kingdom, right? Now, we reside in the world. I understand that, right? We're not talking about creating realities or anything weirdo like that. The reality of the kingdom of God is what we're talking about. And so um, uh, we learned about what our worldview does. It's impossible not to have a worldview. You have a worldview, whether it's been woven together by uh, your family, 
uh, in what they have taught you, what your friends have taught you, what you've learned through uh, your whole time alive, you have a worldview. And it simply is this. It's our overall orientation to life, right? And the way we put it last week is, I wonder what makes them tick, all right? And so it orients everything. And the most simple definition then of reality is this. Reality is what you can rely on, all right? And so Dallas Willard, again, says this from Knowing Christ Today, people perish for their lack of knowledge because only knowledge permits assured access to reality. I love this part. And reality does not adjust itself to accommodate our false beliefs, errors, or hesitations in action. And so what was reality for Jesus? Reality was the kingdom of God. And Jesus is calling us into that reality of the kingdom of God. And if we'll recall, there were four questions when we talk about worldview, and those four questions were this. What is reality, which was answered last week? Who is well off or blessed? Who is truly a good person? And who does, or how does one become a truly good person? So we're gonna tackle the second two uh, today. And the first of that is who is well off or blessed? So if we turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 32, it says this, and what value was their fighting wild or value fighting wild beasts, those people of Ephesus, if there will be no resurrection from the dead? And if there is no resurrection, let's feast and drink for tomorrow we will die. And you can find that specific part in Isaiah. And so why do we start here? Uh, we start here because I want us to understand the ridiculousness of the mindset that we just read. All right? There's something ridiculous about it. It might not be at first glance ridiculous. I mean, that, that last part. Let's feast and drink for tomorrow we die. And there's an old saying in Latin. How many of you guys know this? Carpe diem. Okay, how many of you, when you were 18, you thought about, maybe I should get that tattooed on my chest, all right? Or maybe on my arm right below the barbed wire, all right? Maybe you thought that, I don't know. If you have that, okay, I'm not mad at you. It was a whole error, Okay, it was an error of tattoos, and it was an error as well. Um, and so, uh, but carpe diem, right? Seize the day. First of all, if you see a guy or a gal with carpe diem, you might think, man, that person's kind of deep, because that's Latin, and that's cool, all right? And uh, that person, and from that conclusion, depending on your age, you might say, that person knows Latin, so they've got to be pretty smart, right? And they must have some look into uh, just the depths of life. And, um, but the real question we would have to ask, and if you have that tattoo, I'm not mad at you. If you've used that phrase, it's whatever. I'm not ripping you. I'm just telling you. Um, it, it, but the real question we have to ask in, re, in response to that, is that really how I want to live? Like, is that like if we broke it down, is that really how I want to live? And then I think the, the question that's, you might answer yes to that question. 
but the following question I don't think you're gonna answer to. Would you want a person to live a carpe diem, let's feast and drink, for tomorrow we die, would you want that person to work with you or to work for you in the interview process? Can you imagine this with me? All right? And here's, a, this is a classic interview. If you sat in an interview for, for like a career-based job, and it says this, where do you see yourself in five years, right? I mean, it's like, it's on the list. Like, you're probably gonna hear it, right? So you sit down, and I, you know, I don't, I don't think they asked that at Chick-fil-A. They might, I didn't ask my kids. Do they ask you that? Yeah. They do, yeah. yes. Where do you see yourself in five years? Uh, my kids would be like, in high school? Uh, and that would be a true statement. So, uh, so they're 14, just for reference, and they're, some of them are in eighth grade, so I want you to think, we're going super senior here. Um, so you sit down across from this person who's carpe diem, who says, you know, let's eat, drink, be merry, for tomorrow we die, and you say, where do you see yourself in five years? And, and they say this, I hope to be feasting and drinking and living as if there's no tomorrow. And so you are smart and you follow up that statement by, um, and how do you plan on getting there? To which they reply by feasting and drinking and living as if there is no tomorrow. And so I would say that's probably um, an interview that didn't go well, all right? Uh, this is a person who really doesn't really have a plan but to indulge themselves in everything that is around them. And so that might be someone who we might call is on shaky ground or hasn't really established a foundation. Um, and it's a disastrous way to orient your life. Imagine that's what, you're, that's what the center of your life is gonna be. Eat, drink, be merry, live as if tomorrow we're gonna die. And so that's how you orient everything. You can imagine the disastrous decisions that are made from that kind of orientation and that kind of worldview, right? And so if you read the first Corinthians passage like we just read within the context of the entire passage, what you understand is that Paul is coming to an impasse, right? In other words, a place where a break has to happen. Like, it's either one way or another, and it looks like this. If Christ is not the Son of God who came to rescue the world through the covert plan of life, death, and resurrection, then what are we doing? And we would be better off just to live as if there's no tomorrow if that wasn't true. That's what Paul is saying. I believe Jesus would say that to you. If I'm not true and I'm not reality, please find another way that's true in reality. I mean, Jesus, after all, is, is seeking, is, is saying, hey, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, right? Like, if we believe that's true, it's gonna change, and Jesus would be the first one to say, find something that is true then, because Jesus is truth. But here it is, if the resurrection is true, if Christ did in fact live 
and he died and he was resurrected, this changes everything. Feasting and drinking and acting as if there's no kingdom of God among us is one of the most foolish things that you could actually do then. See, in this short passage, one verse, I see a call for reorientation of life. A call that that comes right against us and challenges us and say, listen, if the resurrection is true, then something has to change. If it's false, carry on as you were. But if it's true, something has to change. And you see that this question of um, who is well off, all right, it builds on the next question, or it builds from the question before, right? If we answer a question about what is reality, well, reality, if we agree with Jesus and we say reality is the kingdom of God, and that in, in the kingdom of God where his effective will, where he wants to be, what he wants to be done is done, if that's reality, then that orients our next answer of who is well off. Well, who is well off is people that orient their lives around the kingdom of God. And so the next question is this, who is truly a good person? You would have to agree, if you were gonna answer this question, then you would have to say, well, does that mean there's bad people who choose to be bad? We get this idea that oh, everybody's good. Really? Is that for real? Everybody's good. I beg to differ. All right? And so I want to paint this picture for you because it was painted for me earlier this week, and I thought it was one of the most, the best picture that's been painted for me about being a disciple of Christ. And so I was listening to this podcast, and the podcast's name is The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Um, and so this came out, I don't even know, Jake, a year ago, let's say. Um, several episodes, though, it involved a church that was out in Seattle, and it involved this, leader, this leadership structure and the, the rise and the fall of this church. And, and what went wrong, what happened that was good as a part of this, and then how did it finally just kind of dissipate? And so one of the guests on the show, episode eight, Minute 48, I believe, uh, begins with this. And I want to I read this to you as he said it because it impacted me greatly. And so I want to just read this to you. And so the, to give you some initial context uh, here, the podcast is talking about uh, celebrity versus anonymity, all right? Out there versus hidden, all right? Recognized verses passed by. And so uh, it, it says this. Um, oh, thank you. So it says this, Teresa of Calcutta. Now he's talking about Diana. I'm gonna introduce the three, the three uh, characters here. Diana, you guys know Princess Diana? Anybody? If you're really young in here, do you know Princess Diana? Like if you're under 20, do you know who that is? 
Yes? Okay, cool. If you don't, I want you to ask somebody, who the heck is that? All right? And so you can ask them that uh, later. Uh, and then uh, Eugene Peterson. All right? Eugene Peterson was a guy that, that is a writer. He was a pastor. And you guys might know the translation called The Message. All right? And he's the one that, that translated that. And he wrote some awesome books, uh, one of which is uh, Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And that is a super awesome book. And then uh, Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Okay, so those are the three names you're going to hear. And so he says, Teresa of Calcutta, not a perfect person, sometimes a little harsh with the words, uh, with the people that she had power over, but nonetheless a witness. I think about the fact that Teresa and Diana died in the same week. They are like these mirror images of what we want to be as a human being. The two most recognized visible women in the world, it was said at the time, but utterly different paths to celebrity, utterly different paths to influence. It's fascinating that almost everyone wanted to be like Diana, but no one could be like Diana. Only one person gets to marry the Prince of Wales, and most of us are not beautiful like Diana. Like, we got no shot, zero. Meanwhile, you have Teresa of Calcutta, and anybody could be like her, because all she is is a saint. And anyone can be a saint if they open themselves up to Jesus. We have not lacked for models of godly power. We just don't want the suffering that comes with it, the long stretches of anonymity and seeming ineffectiveness, the humiliation of being like your Lord. That part we would really rather not have. He continues. There have been other options on offer, mediated options, but the way of Eugene Peterson, which means Eugene started off super humble, nobody knew him, he writes the message, he kind of blows up, okay? He doesn't blow up, he stays steady and he stays serving God, all right? And so his life doesn't blow up. And so the way of Eugene Peterson, the way of Teresa is right there at any day I can wake up and say I'm heading on that road. Whereas if I look at some celebrity and try to imagine how I could get there, where they are, I got no chance. And yet every day I am tempted to divert into some facsimile of the path of celebrity rather than the path of sainthood. Oh, I want us to, that quote, so I'm, I'm listening I'm driving yesterday, and that quote pops up. And I am like, holy smokes. Like, to me, that is one of the most relatable quotes in my life thus far. And I know it was extended, and then I thought, oh my gosh, like that weaves into what we're talking about. Listen to what he's saying. He's saying, Instead of going and doing the thing that we could do, I love the fact that he says all Teresa of Calcutta was was a saint. 
but there's no way we could be celebrity, yet we try to live in the reality as if we could be. But the reality of the kingdom of God is just simply stepping and following the path of Jesus, the way of Jesus. And we could wake up every morning and make that same decision, but there is something that draws us in and tries to divert us into wanting to be celebrity. And I don't know what that might be for you. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's your social media and the way that you constantly compare your life with others. And I'm not just talking to teenagers here. I'm talking to everybody in the room that holds a social media account of any kind, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, da, 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 Twitter, whatever you want to be on. I think for some people, they really believe that one day they're going to post this one picture and they're going to blow up. Or, more likely, the thought is this, why is my life not like theirs? Why do I not look as good as they do? Why do I not have as much fun as they're having? I told you guys this before. I mean, this is just proven scientific facts, data. You can't... The, the release of the smartphone, the release of social media, and you see this hike up and to the right, along with the release, devices had by people, keeps going up, and guess what keeps climbing with that? Anxiety, depression, suicide, all this stuff. It just, it just coincided. It just so happened to happen at the same time. No, we're doing this all the time, except for before when I... When you get to see somebody and you know, you're like, man, I'm never gonna have biceps like Steve, okay? Um, but it was just like when he was out mowing that I had to put up with that, okay? But now, now I have um, Mo's shirtless, okay? Is that a, what are you doing? Just rubbing in stuff. I mow shirtless, people stop by, they're like, are you okay? It, it, it looked like you were falling apart on the lawnmower, okay? And so, um, <laughs> and so we think about this, though, but now we have instant access to all of this stuff that we can compare constantly, right? And so, and, and here's the weirdest part about it. We just keep going back to it. I just need one more good conspiracy to top my day off, you know? I just am... I haven't had enough, all right? I need more. And I tell you what, and this isn't a brag, it's just telling you what I'm doing is for the last four months, I've just been off social media. Oh my gosh, I like people again. It's awesome, all right? I, I'm, t I'm not even kidding. Uh, it's like, I don't wanna be on there, all right? Am I calling it evil? Lord, no, okay? I'm not becoming some fundy person fundamentalist, like, if you have it, oh, there it is, the voice, if you have it, you're going to hell, okay, I'm not saying that, all right, but <laughs> what I'm saying is, let's process what we're doing, how are you spending life, are you spending life in, like, real life or on cyber, I mean, that's finally, if, if you want real confessions, that's finally what it came down to for me, I'm sitting on my couch with my kids around, I'm on my phone, not present to them. 
not present to the room I'm actually sitting in. I'm present to my phone and into my phone. And at that point, I was like, that's enough. I am actually being robbed of the time that I actually have with my family. Does it coincide with the fact that my oldest daughter is probably going to be going off to college here next year? It had something to do with it. There's no doubt, because you realize real quick, wow, these years are short. These years are going by, and I don't want to spend the next five hours on my phone, you know, building a, just a wicked Amazon list. I mean, the stuff that I could buy if I had money. i tell you what I'd do. I'd go down to Ford, buy a Ford truck or two. All right, so country lyrics, you guys are welcome. Okay, so check it out. Here is the deal, though. Why did I quote this at length? I I quoted that at length because I feel like it's so important. Uh, There are many people, um, and me being one of them at times, um, thinking that they're not worthy. You know, and this of you affects everything in your life. It really does. Because if you view, view yourself as unworthy, here's how you live. You live as if you are unworthy. It really changes everything. And this is because you've answered both the question of who is well off and the question of reality wrong. Who is well off? The celebrity. You know? There are people that you'll never know never hear of that are making huge impacts on the world. And may I just present to you this idea that if you had a huge impact on four, five, six, 20 people's lives, you have made a huge impact on the world. Uh, We need to get this idea of celebrity, I'm gonna blow up on YouTube, I'm gonna be awesome on Instagram, okay, great. The likelihood of that is, is very slim. Could it happen? I'm not saying that it couldn't happen. What I'm saying is, are you living in reality with the people around you? Do you understand what it is to actually be blessed? And if we don't, Jesus has some ideas about it. And so what does Jesus think about these worldview questions, who is well off? Here's who he thinks well off. Jesus thinks this is who is well off. He said, because he says it in Matthew 5. He says this, uh, and I'm paraphrasing. Here's who's well off, the poor, those who mourn, the humble, those who hunger and thirst for justice, those who are merciful, those, who hearts, those whose hearts are pure, those who work for peace, the persecuted, they are blessed. Hold on, hold on, Jesus. I thought you said I would be too blessed to be stressed. And in here it says that, uh, too anointed to be disappointed, okay? Uh, (laughs) Okay, did anybody else start to like, your stomach started to rumble here? Okay, um, and so here is the deal. The deal is this. Jesus says the poor, those who mourn, the humble, those who hunger and thirst for justice, 
those who are merciful, those whose hearts are pure, those who work for peace, the persecuted, they're the ones that are blessed, not because of their position, but because they are living within the reality of the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus is saying. Positionally, you might feel like, I don't have anything, man. I don't have two dimes to rub together. But here's what I want to encourage you with today. If that is you and you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that the long game is this. You are blessed because you live in the kingdom of God. And that long game doesn't stop somewhere where there's fairies and uh, bow and arrows and, and people and we live on clouds. It's reality right now. The kingdom of God is among us. Your blessedness is now. John 17, three says this, and this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one who sent, or the one you sent to earth. Eternal life in the kingdom of God because of Jesus Christ gives us a sense of place right now and in the time to come. The eternal life in Christ, think about this, eternal life in Christ gives us a sense of place that reorients us. See, when we come into Christ and we come to know Christ and we call him Lord and Savior, here is the deal. This is the awesomeness of it. It reorients everything. It reorients the way that we look at people, the way that we talk to people, the way that we do business deals, the yeses that we say and the noes that we say. It reorients everything that is within us. It's a transformational process that happens from the inside out, not from the outside in. Like, The thing is, we don't need you to look good and have it all together on the outside and be hollow on the inside. We need you to be full of the power of the Holy Spirit from within that's transforming you from without. So we approach situations different. We have different perspective on things. We, you probably get this. Uh, yeah, this is the way, we're kind of raising our kids this way, and you might get this look. Are you for real? Right, because here's what I know, that we have knowledge of Jesus Christ. It changes everything. Everything. What if you're like, well, it, it hasn't changed me completely. I would ask this, what are you hanging on to? Because I'm asking myself the same question. I'm not standing up here asking you. Like, well, what are you hanging on to? I know there's something. What are the things, you know, I'm asking myself, what are the things in my life that I have not let Jesus reorient in my own life? Jesus' answer to who is truly a good person is this, those who are pervaded with love. In, uh, In 1 John I realize Jesus didn't say this. In 1 John 4, 9 through 10, it says this, though. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not what we love, not that we love God, but that he loved us 
and he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. That is true love. To love is to will the good of another. To love our neighbors, and here's what I wanna say, to see them. Not just see them with your eyes, but to see them as someone who God loves and who God is calling you and has called you to love. And so when we answer these questions, and we'll answer the fourth one next week, what is reality, the kingdom of God? Who is well, who is well off or blessed? Read Matthew 5. Who is truly a good person? The person who loves. God and loves people. And I, I do, I believe this. Josh sang this song this morning, The Simple Gospel, and he explained that song very well. Is It's not that it's simple in the fact, it's, the complexity and mystery of it is great, but the simplicity of it is this. It starts with Jesus, and it starts with loving God and loving people. That's really the simplicity of the gospel. Jesus, you are king. We live in the reality of the kingdom of God. We're blessed because we are in the kingdom of God. There's nothing we can do to be blessed. We're blessed because we know you. And we wanna be good people. Well, how do we wanna be good people? Not just, you know, giving people nice stuff and providing them with 54 meals and giving families Christmas presents. We wanna be good people because we live in the reality of the kingdom of God that's transforming us from the inside out, that's making us into people who love other people genuinely, like our king did. I just wanna say this. We have to join Jesus in suffering. It's part of it. And part of that suffering is this, giving up the things that you wanna do sometimes. I'm not saying all the time, but giving up the things that you wanna do sometimes. Man, I really wanted that shirt and those jeans and this isn't a guilty thing, please don't take it this way, but I know there's 54 families that need to eat. Okay? It, it might be you say I'm sorry to somebody that you were a real jerk to. But if we're gonna practice the Jesus way, we have to. We have to live in the reality of the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is good. Would you stand with me? So before we end and pray, uh, Jen sets this up. She brings the kids down here and they kick balls against the wall and that means that it's time to wrap it up, okay? And so just so you guys are in on that, Jen's my wife, she's a children's wife. So if you hear the soccer ball, you'll notice that I begin to wrap up. Uh, and so, you know, if we go too long, it becomes a two-part series, okay? And so, so but uh, let's pray. And uh, here's what I want us to do. Just uh, speak quiet for a moment. If you hear a soccer ball, it's okay. Uh, but we're gonna be quiet for a moment and just pray that God would just come. 
And so let's just do that. Holy Spirit, would you come in this place as we just rest for a second in this space? So Father, as we end here today, I pray that we would become people who follow you and live in the reality of the kingdom of God. Jesus, that you are Lord and you reign and the only way to the Father is through you. So would you come and have our lives? Teach us, God, to not strive for power, but to be under the one who is all-powerful. Would you teach us to live in the blessedness of knowing you and not the blessedness of having things? Would you teach us to love our neighbors as you love them, God? And that old prayer, that old saying, could we be your hands and your feet? When people see us, could they see Jesus? And I know this and we know this, that that is going to require transformation in our lives. So Father, I pray the things that we so dearly hold on to as if you do not know we're holding on to them. Would you come and take those things? And would you mold them into what you want them to look like. And some of those things will have to be get, gotten rid of. Some of them will have to be redirected. But Father, could we be more like your son, Jesus? And I just can't help but think about the day-breaking sun this morning and how it transformed the entire landscape of where I was by bringing things out of the darkness and into the light. And may our lives be like that. Jesus, may you come and be the light into our path. And would you lead us in the way that we should go? In Jesus' name.